if you are looking to have a truly customer-centric organization, you need to be sharing customer insights. You need to be sharing the results of research that you've done one week that are answering questions that you asked the week before. It has to be part of your everyday workflow. And what about AI? The gestalt response from a lot of people is fear. Um, you know, about like, what is this going to mean for all of our jobs? Obviously, we've been hearing at the conference, people in our jobs as well, um, you know, are a little bit wobbly about, is this good for us? Is this not good for us? You know, we're not going to be replaced by AI, but we might be replaced by humans who know how to use AI. Hi, I'm Mike Green, and welcome to Understanding Users, the podcast where I chat candidly with UX design and research professionals from around the world to hear about how they build digital products and services in a user-centered way. I'm Chrissy Fleming. I'm a freelance product management consultant. And is it your first time at UXDX? It is my first time at UXDX. And what are your impressions so far, Chrissy? So far, so good. I'm really enjoying hearing the themes that are coming out of multiple talks. I like hearing what a lot of people are worried about. As a freelancer, it matters a lot to me to know where my market fit is. It's always comforting to know when people have questions that you have some answers to or some experience with so that you can be helpful to the community. And I've really loved the diversity of the people I've seen on stage and the candor that they've used to approach some of the topics, especially things like the layoffs that are going on and the changes and upheavals in our industry. Right. And um, one area I kind of wanted to talk about in particular is artificial intelligence, because obviously that's a, that's a massive discussion point in yes. our industry as it is in the world in general. It's um, coming for us. It's coming for us. Tell me, what, what, what tools have you tried? What, what, you know, what have you done in terms of kind of your own work with AI so far? I've certainly used some AI tools. I am obsessed with user research as well. It's my favorite part of product management is getting to know the customers and solving customer problems. So I've been using an AI tool for transcription and pulling out uh, insights from interviews, helping me structure and, and know what came out of an interview so that I can focus fully on a customer interview and come out of that experience already a step ahead to processing that interview and sharing it with my teams and the the people I'm working for. So I've loved that. I've been playing around with some other tools. Um, um, A customer asked me recently for terms of service and a privacy policy for a tool that they're building and I was like, oh, I could just put this into a chat GPT and have it generate that for me. That seems like a great use of this intelligence, right? For me not to do it. Um, And of course, I'm interacting a lot. I'm always paying attention when I am the customer of a product, when I'm encountering these bots and these AI tools and seeing how they're working, how the recommendations are working and when they're not. Right. So how do you think kind of AI is and will affect the way designers and researchers approach their work going forward? I certainly hope that it makes it easier for us to share our work and to process what we do. I think a lot of designers and researchers get really enthusiastic about the actual research part, the talking to customers, the on-sites, the shadow sessions, all that. And 
where I think we as a practice tend to fall a bit short is processing and bringing those insights to the larger team or better yet bringing the larger team on board with us and so to have let's say a video of a customer where they say something great and to be able to mark that in your AI transcription tool and to have you know some of the AI tools for video conferences and stuff can, you can mark favorite spots so instantly you can show the entire team the clip that you want very easily whereas even just a couple years ago, I would have to scrub a video for a very long time to find where was it that the person said that? So I'm hoping that it just makes some of the work that's a bit more busy work or harder to do the extraction work, but that ultimately brings the real value of what we do to all of our clients, our customers and our teams. And in some quarters, AI is a bit of a, a, a dirty word, perhaps some of the kind of more hysterical articles that have appeared in the press. <laughs> I'm interested to know kind of to what extent should we be cautious of it? To what extent should we fear it? What's your view on that? As far as fearing new things, I think it's always good to be cautious about a new technology. I think you can over embrace something and over rely on something. Um, and you need to know the dangers of what you're doing. So my background is as a musician originally. And so I'm very tuned into the community of artists that are very afraid that AI bots are going to be trained on their work and that they won't be compensated or that their work will somehow be mutated in a way that then the demand for their original art won't exist. So I'm sensitive to what are the roots of this AI? What are the ethical concerns we have to think about when we're using something like that? Um, and just like when everybody was Big on the cloud, remember? Like everybody's like, oh, the cloud is coming for us. Well, okay, now the cloud is here and we know you need to use certain safety precautions and you need to do certain things when you're interacting with it, but it's part of our daily life. I think AI is the same where we need to know how to be safe, um, how to use it judiciously, and how to understand the difference between what computers do well and can do for us and maybe what they shouldn't do instead of us. Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and and you as a freelancer, your your clients, the you know the people you deal with, um, the in the organisations. To what extent are they embracing AI, and what are the kind of demands the clients are making on you in terms of your knowledge of it? I think right now everybody just wants to know what's going on. I don't think a ton of people are being very clear yet. At least in my experience of we have to use AI for this. I think there's a, a danger point at that tipping point when something's a buzzword where suddenly then everybody wants it in every project. And fortunately, I have avoided that so far because just because you have a shiny new tool doesn't mean that you have to use it. Um, but I think clients are really looking for guidance. They're looking for understanding. They're looking for somebody who can break it down and help them understand when it can be useful to them and when maybe it's not developed enough for them or it's not the right tool for the problem they're trying to solve. And so that's what I'm seeing early on. Right. So where do we go from here in terms of embedding AI and machine learning and those kind of tools in UX product design process, would you say? I mean, it's iterative, right? Like we're, we're iterative people, we're an iterative craft. So we're going to continue to iterate. And I think sh conferences like this sharing best practices, 
learning from each other what's working what's not working I think the the group is going to come up with so much more wisdom than I can just predict <laughs> but I'm kind of excited to see where it can go there's certainly a lot of things that we're just not always good at keeping track of as people that I'd love to see AI do better uh, for us every company I've worked at is terrible with scheduling scheduling meetings calendars things like that I've seen some early AI bots working on making people's lives more efficient, blocking out time better, things like that. And I don't know, there's a lot. I'm excited for the prospect of more documentation that's actually readable. Um, I had an AI bot write a poem for my daughter recently. That was a lot of fun. Like, it, you know, it can be something educational and fun. And I don't know, I'm excited to see where it goes. And final question, yes. how can product teams always ensure they have the user at heart when they're building products and services? Product teams can always ensure they have the user at heart. If working with and talking to the customer or the user is central to their work processes. So you can't have someone at heart if they're far away, out of sight and out of mind. If you are looking to have a truly customer-centric organization, you need to be sharing customer insights, you need to be sharing the results of research that you've done one week that are answering questions that you asked the week before. It has to be part of your everyday workflow. It can't be the side project when I get to it, when I have budget, if I have the right person on the team. It has to be something that you're just constantly doing and getting as many people in the org involved with as possible. My name is Erin Isinger. I am the founder and president of 4 by North, which is a design and consulting studio um, that I established in Istanbul, Turkey about 14 years ago. And we are a fully global team um, with a focus on UX research and design. And Erin, uh, is it your first time at UXDX? It is my first time at a UXDX, yeah. And what are your impressions and what you've kind of seen and experienced so far? You know, I, I, was, I was actually just jotting down some notes, which you caught me doing. Um, you know, I, I don't work in the product space. You know, since I run an agency, you know, I really sit adjacent to that kind of ongoing delivery pace. Um, and so I think it's really interesting to come to things like this and hear from people who are working in a more embedded fashion, you know, dealing with slightly different issues than we are and working at a different pace, I think, than we are, um, and really trying to find where are the points that our work intersect, what are the findings and learnings that I can take um, from you know, what they're seeing in their day-to-day -day life and apply it and add more value, I think, even to how we approach working as a third party often for um, you know, companies that hire us to do similar work. So what kinds of organizations do you work with in terms of kind of verticals and sizes? Sure. So from vertical perspective, it's pretty all over the place. Um, we do do a lot of work for B2B kind of business services. That's a pretty common spot for us. Um, we're based, or at least I'm based out in California, so there's a lot of renewable and green energy work going on there. So in the past few years, we've had you know a number of opportunities to work with green energy um, or renewable energy companies who are really trying to grow, um, which is really exciting. You know, I think... Being able to do this kind of work for companies where we really see a social impact that we believe in obviously adds even more value to the work. We're not like trying to add purpose to the work. Right. It's kind of baked in. Um, that that's a lot of common. Those are a lot of common. 
kind of clients right. that we work with. Yeah. And what about AI um, mm-hmm. in terms of you know your clients? What kind of demand are you seeing from your clients? Or you not know, in terms of artificial intelligence. It's it's different because we have we do you know we do have some clients especially that we do UX research for um, who are in more of the product space and yeah. you know they're basically growing teams they don't have embedded UX research so we'll do research for them. Some of them have AI, you know, as a part of their product, Um, and so for them it's obviously very important, and also one of the things they ask us to gauge is how important is it for their users that, you know, a product or something has AI. I would say for a lot of our clients who are in the business service space, it really depends on the level of maturity um, of the organization. I think the gestalt response from a lot of people is fear. Um, you know, about like, what is this going to mean for all of our jobs? Obviously, we've been hearing at the conference, people in our jobs as well, um, you know, are a little bit wobbling about, is this good for us? Is this not good for us? Um, you know, I, I have to admit, like when I first, when, even in the last year, just the media coverage of, you know, the, the large models and chat GPT and everything, like the way it's been covered, I think definitely has some of that fear mongering to it and and at first I was a little bit hesitant and one of my colleagues put it this way you know we're not going to be replaced by AI but we might be replaced by humans who know how to use AI right. and so I think when you start to look at it that way it's like I then for me you know I've been around I'm an old head in this space you know since Google came out since the iPhone came out and I remember when those products came out it was similarly like earth shattering for everyone. Like now that we have Google, what is anybody gonna do? All these things are gonna be decimated. And certainly a lot of things have shifted and changed, but we've adapted. I, I would say, so I started looking at AI really much more as a tool. We started kicking the tires a lot more to see like how could we embed it in our workflows in ways that add value and take us out of the tasks that we don't really like to use. So in our work, I'm not like immediately threatened by it, you know, but I, as a citizen of the world and a mother of a young kid, um, I am a little bit worried about the pace and kind of like the unfettered pace of it, um, because I think we have seen, you know, in the last 10 or 15 years, how just like the meteoric growth of, of like social media, like I'm just, in, I, have a, I have a daughter, so the idea of Instagram and its effect on like tween girls' emotion is like top of mind for me. And so I, I worry about the, the pace of development and perhaps the lack, you know, if we're just going for growth and we're not putting the brakes on it all to say like, well, <laughs> like what is this gonna do to everybody? Um, that does give me pause. Definitely. And so what advice then would you give to an organization that wanted to start harnessing AI in its in its product offering, let's say? I think I think it's okay to do it. I think that you have to be really clear eyed about what you're doing it for. Um, I definitely think people should not be too excited to like, you know, start offloading people and just use AI instead. At least in my experience so far of using it as a tool, it does not replace domain expertise. You know, like even if I'm, a lot of people here have talked about using it in UX research or, you know, to jumpstart a persona or validate something or do whatever. Um, I think it's like, it like gets you past the blank page, but it's very much a trust but verify. You know, I mean, I think you have to know enough about the domain or the discipline to be able to say with a critical eye, this is right 
or this is not right, or I can borrow this piece from it. Or someone I, on one of the panels yesterday said like, it can do the error message variations for us. I think that's a great use. Like right. nobody wants, no UX writer wants to write 50 error messages for a product. So I think that's a really good use, um, but I think over-reliance on it, especially by people who are newer to their domain, like it's not gonna jump, it's not gonna leapfrog you to senior knowledge mm -hmm. of that. It just may help you, it may help you along a little bit. Right. So where do we go from here then in terms of kind of in, in UX using AI in our own pr practice, do you think? I hope that it means that we get to do more um, UX research. I would, say, I would say it's kind of the same, you know, years ago, it was really hard to get, I mean, it's still hard now, but not the same. It was really hard to get anybody to do research because it was so hard to recruit people. It was expensive to recruit them. If you were the researcher, you might have to fly somewhere to go meet with people. I mean, it was just an affair. And I think the advent of all the online tools for recruiting and for you know conducting and then for now analyzing, I think the more that that becomes kind of cost-effective and time-effective, more people are, are willing to do the research, which means that we're making better stuff all the time. Um, and hopefully it just means that we do more. And there still is that insight piece. I mean, again, you know, I've been using tools that have started in, in kind of the like repository space or, you know, the transcription space where it will do a little bit of the summarizing and maybe a little bit of like the analysis. So far it's like, the transcripts are actually pretty good. But I have found that like some of the analysis or, you know, like that's not quite there yet. Like it's not quite accurate. Um, and so again, like I also wouldn't trust insights, you know, for example, that come out of that. I don't think that interpretation of like, what does this mean and what should we do about it? Which is really, you know, the value that I think that we add. So I, I'm hoping that it means that we do more, more efficiently, but we, that we don't lose the strategy for the efficiency. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Understanding Users. If you enjoyed what you heard, do please like or comment wherever you're listening and feel free to share this episode more widely. And feel free, of course, to drop me a line with any feedback via LinkedIn or my website, researchable.uk. Join me again next time when I'll be sharing some more insights from digital design professionals. Until then, stay safe and stay user-centered.